0: Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness and truth we find there. I'm your host,
1: Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And today we have with us Our friend and my pastor, Scott Sauls, he is the senior pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church here in Nashville. Scott is not just a pastor, but he's also a pretty prolific author. He's offered us some beautiful books in the past, including Jesus Outside the Lines, and most recently, A Gentle Answer our secret weapon in an age of us against them. Both of those books are just fantastic. Can't recommend them enough. Y'all, we are grateful to have Scott as our guest today. We wanted to have a pastor with us for Holy Week, and he just did such a beautiful job of sitting with us, talking with us, pastoring us through the events of Holy Week. He did a beautiful job of addressing the doubters, even the doubter in each of us. Also, we got to sit down, the three of us, and celebrate the resurrection together. You know, this episode is somber, and then it is amazingly celebratory, and we're really excited for you to have it. So let's get right to it. Scott, here we are at um, the last week of Lent and the final readings, the final chapters of the Book of Mark. Mm-hmm. And I can think of no one I'd rather have sitting with Amanda and I to just... On the Monday of Holy Week, mm. to be mm-hmm. reading from this book that I've just fallen in love with mm-hmm. again, somehow. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But also to be this week is just so significant in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad you're here.
2: Thanks, Rachel. Thank you for coming. And, uh, you too. Thanks for having <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> I am also glad that you're here.
1: <laughs> um, and we just,
0: we'd love for you as, you know, we're walking into Holy Week. And into this, um you were just chatting before we hit recorded, this fast pace, and we've talked about it here on the Mm -hmm. podcast too, how fast paced Mark is and that he just doesn't mince word and he just kind of goes for it. And Mm -hmm. it feels a little bit like we've been sprinting to to (laughs) this finish line of this Mm -hmm. week, but we don't want to just plow through it. We really want to be thoughtful and reflective and really read the words set before us this week, Um, not just in this hour, but as we walk through these readings... We even intentionally slow down the readings at the end of the week because yeah. we normally, if you guys who are listening have read with us long, you know that Saturdays and Sundays we do Grace Days and Weekly Truths. That's right. Well, for this particular study book for Mark, we are actually having readings on Saturday and Sunday so yeah. that we can pace our reading with the kind of real time of Holy Week for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And so here we are, about to walk into that, and we just look to you, Pastor Scott. It's nice to
1: have (laughs) our pastor here, yeah, Yeah. and to just kind of go talk to us, even just like, I mean, from a friend perspective, from a brother in Christ perspective, and also from a pastoral perspective, help us kind of as we approach Holy Week. I mean, it's Monday. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What is the... I mean, we're reading Mark. We have these readings laid before us, but like... Help us kind of frame this week from a mindset perspective and so on
2: It's a great question. I think we've been set up by the last year uh, yeah. that we've been living in yeah. for Holy Week perhaps more than any other week Easter gets a lot of press it gets a lot of you know attention in the commercial world and mm-hmm. and even in you know, on church websites and... Retail stores. I mean, I had the Easter hat, Easter
1: gloves, Easter dress.
2: All of it. (laughs) But but even, you know, the pure Easter story and resurrection Mm. gets maybe more attention than it should during Holy Week, because if the idea of Holy Week is to put ourselves as much as we can in the headspace that the disciples were in, you know, Jesus spends... Essentially the first half of the book of Mark making friends <laughs> with miracles <laughs> yeah really mm-hmm. more followers and fans than friends because mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. we find out who his true friends are when all of a sudden he starts doing things that make him enemies yeah. Uh, yeah especially of the establishment you know where he cleanses the temple and and starts speaking truth to power and starts getting more and more direct about you know, the systems, you know, the religious systems that are actually hurting people more than they're helping people. And, and so, suddenly right here in the middle of Mark, you see him pivot. Yeah. And, and in the middle of Mark is the beginning of Holy Week, right? Mm-hmm. We see him pivot to, you know, he sets his face toward Jerusalem, and his message becomes more and more, it's time to go die now. Yeah, and the disciples are like, "Wait a minute! You've just built your platform. It's time for a book. Right. Deal. It's time <laughs> to go on tour. You know, it's time to speak at a conference. Yeah, you know, yeah. or, or whatever." Yeah, and great. You know, I love books and conferences and things like that. But Christ said, you know, basically the point of the whole first half of Mark is to build confidence in his disciples so that when they're faced with testing. Mm -hmm. They'll have a reservoir to recall of things that he did to authenticate his claims about himself, right? Walking on water, feeding 5,000, all all that stuff. But the headspace of Holy Week, to your question, is a headspace of lament, disorientation, confusion, Mm -hmm. fear. I mean, read how many times it says in Mark, and they were afraid, and they were afraid, and they were afraid, you know, to sort of look square into the abyss of our much-afraidness and realize that we're not home yet, that we're not really sure what's going on because our Lord, who has shown himself to be just that, is now starting to tell us he's going to die. And then he's talking about rising from the dead. That sounds great, but you have to be dead before you rise from the dead. And so they're in a place of disorientation. Yeah. And yeah. so I think Holy Week, at yeah. least the church calendar and history, has always been about, particularly in those traditions that really embrace it and learn it and such, it's a week of of disorientation, allowing us to feel all the feels, you know, as Mm -hmm. they say, especially the distressed emotions of sadness, hurt, shame, guilt, fear, you know, to allow us ourselves to enter into that experience and consider the implications of the cross before we rush to the empty tomb, if that makes sense. That's yeah.
1: so helpful to think about. I think you're right. You started to say, I think that, you know, East Resurrection Sunday is overplayed, and I was like, whoa, 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 wait. <laughs> and you're like, let me finish my sentence, during mm-hmm. Holy Week. And I think right. that, like, I think you're right. I hadn't thought of it that way, but Holy Week is a path toward, Good Friday. Yeah. And I mean, even in our reading this week, it's a path mm-hmm. toward Good Friday. Mark 13, you know, it's it's the destruction of the temple predicted. It's mm-hmm. the persecutions predicted. Mm-hmm. It's the great tribulation predicted. We're not there yet. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that you're exactly right that we have to go there mm-hmm. before we can actually not just feel, but enjoy and understand right. yeah. what happens on Sunday.
2: And it's also a time to admit that we actually are there. Yeah, that's we, right. We've been in a pandemic. That's right. None of yeah. our relationships are where we want them to be. Yeah. not not one. Yeah, we don't not like our one. we don't we don't like ourselves nearly as much as we would like to like ourselves. You <laughs> know, like these are the truths about living as a fallen human being in yeah. a world that was created to be perfect.
1: Yeah,
2: is that everything is cracked?
0: I appreciate that you included confusion in that list of things that we will observe and feel as we read but also just where we are right now because i just have noticed that so much in this reading of the book of mark how confused the disciples were mm-hmm. um and everyone else but how jesus will clearly state something that to us is very clear having read the rest of the mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. and to them they're like are you sure like mm-hmm. that's not how this is supposed to go and even at one point you know peter saying no, that's not it. And Jesus having to say, get behind me, Satan, you are thinking on things of man and not things of God. That's a paraphrase. It's not exactly the words, but there's so much confusion. And, and even, you know, all of the things that you just listed off, Scott, we don't see Jesus experience all of those emotions because I don't think that he was confused, but we definitely see him lament yeah, and we see despair or mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but we're going to read this week yeah. um, of these moments, you know, in the garden in frustration, just, and rightfully so, like getting so frustrated with the disciples. And I just, it is a very intensely emotional week, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not just for us reading it, but for the actors involved, for the Mm -hmm. people involved. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I think something that I knew, but I noticed new (laughs) this time reading is that the events of Holy Week weren't what made this week significant. In fact, it was already significant. Mm -hmm. And then it was significant that the events of Holy Week took place During Passover, Mm -hmm. I think that I forget. I mean, obviously, Holy Week makes it significantly more significant, right? But I sometimes forget the setting. I forget mm-hmm. that this is taking place during Passover, and when mm-hmm. I put that lens on, mm-hmm. and I read these things, I like I see irony. I see God's handwriting the story, and so if you kind of put that lens on as we read this week, you'll notice some things that you maybe have never noticed before. You know, mm-hmm. as they rush everybody to Passover, and they're like, and Jesus, is like, I am the Passover Lamb. You know,
2: think about what Passover, the original sort of release of the Passover story. Mm-hmm was about slaves being politically oppressed and being set free from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, right? And the parting of the Red Sea and so on. So the Passover meal was out of that. And that's the memory of past deliverance from specifically government tyranny. Yeah. And here they are with all of this history having been raised in this history – Uh, having recited the Passover liturgy every year of their lives and being steeped in it in, you know, some of them rabbinical school, others of them, you know, just Jewish upbringing and education, and they still didn't understand. Mm -hmm. What they've been waiting for all this time is a political and military hero. Yeah, And with all the miracles and all the triumph of Jesus healing people on the spot, walking on water, feeding 5,000, solving all the problems, they're thinking, okay, it's just going to get better and better. We're just going to move strength to strength to strength. And they actually are, Mm -hmm. but not in any way, shape, or form that they think. Mm -hmm. Because what he's going to do now that he's established his rightful place of power is to give it up. Think about this. We've had what a lot of people are calling an insurrection in yeah. America, right? Yeah. And everybody's taking sides around that. Well, the mm-hmm. same kind of stuff is happening here. Give yeah. us Barabbas, the insurrectionist. Give us him instead of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Don't confuse us with the truth. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't ask us to change. Yeah. Y- you know what I mean? And so you've got all those dynamics that are going on in the world today and I think that reveal, just like the Passover history does, that the human battle is a battle between whether or not we're going to try to be people of power who can crush others and get our way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or who take the power that we have and use it as a vehicle and lay it down to love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that may be a little bit of a rabbit trail, but, but
1: well, I don't think here it is, is because trails. it doesn't feel
0: like <laughs> it either. Yeah. <laughs> no, because we start this week's reading in Mark 12 and you have the parable of the vineyard owner, yeah. which I'd never really understood and, maybe never sought to understand (laughs) um, until recently this parable. But I think that it's what you're saying is what this parable is, is like this seeking after power, because we have this story where essentially, you know, So this is a parable that Jesus tells, and I'm going to paraphrase it. But a man plants a vineyard, Mm. and he leases it to some tenant farmers. Mm -hmm. And he's speaking this parable to, if we look back, because it says here in verse 1, he began to speak to them in parables. And if you go back to chapter 11, the them there is the chief priests, scribes, and elders that he's already speaking to. So he tells them this parable of a man who plants a vineyard, leases the vineyard to tenant farmers, and goes away. And then when harvest time comes, the owner, the man who owns the vineyard, Mm -hmm. sends a servant for the harvest and the tenant farmers kill the servant. So he sends another servant and they kill them. They send like this goes on and on. Mm -hmm. And eventually he still had one to send, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. But those tenant farmers said to one another, I'm in verse seven, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. So it's a power grab what they're doing Mm -hmm. and they kill the son. Mm -hmm. And so the conclusion of this parable That if we look at the parable as, you know, the tenant farmers, and correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, I just was leaning on my study Bible here, but the tenant farmers are the religious leaders that he's talking to, represent the people he's speaking to, Mm -hmm. that they fancy themselves to be in charge, but they're just renters. The Mm -hmm. kingdom is really... The lords, mm-hmm. and the servants, like the prophets that would go to Israel and say, "Turn and repent," and mm-hmm. one after the other, and they're rejected, 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 until finally he sends his son, mm-hmm. and they even kill the son. So it's like Jesus is prophesying, you know, his own death. But here's Nailed what it. I love. It Thank you, Amanda. I Nailed I love it. it. Yeah, <laughs> somebody write that down. Um, in verse nine, yeah, what then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill the farmers and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. We're going to read that a few times this week. Mm-hmm. This came about from the Lord and is wonderful in our eyes. So the vineyard owner is going to take this thing that the powerful tried to co-opt and couldn't, mm-hmm. and he's going to give it to others. Yeah. To Rahab
2: and the lepers. Yes,
0: and the- yes. To the, the rest of us. The least of these yeah. and the rest of us. And the poor. That's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's the gospel. And then we're going to watch him do this. We're going to watch him it's come in. It's
1: such a great story to start this week with.
0: It really is. And I just, it's like it's there on
2: purpose, you
0: guys. <laughs> Can I <laughs> like take God's us one word? more
2: verse ahead of what Please. you just said? Please. I want you to. Yes. Yeah. What did they do after that? They look for a way to arrest him. Yes. Again, power grab. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then, what do they do after this? Verse thirteen, they exactly. they collude with the Herodians, mm-hmm. Pharisees, and Herodians hated each other. Hm. Couldn't stand. They were political oppos- there's They were as opposite politically and religiously as you could possibly mm-hmm. be. Yep. And yet, they formed this strange alliance. So you, an of enemy, them you become friends. <laughs> and this is what you see again. The Bible was written in the Middle East, but it so applies everywhere. Even in our own context where you have these, you got power grabs, you got canceling, you got, you know, shaming, shut down from the partisan left and the partisan right. And sometimes both will come together if there's, <laughs> if there's a threat mm-hmm. that they share and go on the attack together. Like it's just within human nature if we are not steeped in the will to love. Mm-hmm. It is human nature mm-hmm. to be steeped in the will to power, which is what Nietzsche wrote about, and which is what he got right. Mm-hmm. He took it to a terrible conclusion, but he saw the nature of the human heart, I think, better than a lot of Christian theologians do. And mm. that yeah. he he just spoke straight up about the darkness where even our he talked about how even our generosity, and Jesus touches on this in the Sermon on the Mount, even our generosity can be a power play at times, yep. to put on a show, to create leverage, to put somebody in debt to us, or you know, to build a platform. Absolutely. Right? And, yeah. and so just to recognize how insidious the human heart is apart from the intervention mm-hmm. of grace, mm. that these religious people who've got the Bible memorized, just like yeah. Satan does, you guys, yeah. mm-hmm. even the demons believe in shudder, right? Because they're not surrendered to it. But the Pharisees who think themselves... To be God's servants, are colluding with people who are brash, vile, violent, sexually gratuitous, godless, murderous. The Herodians; mm-hmm. <laughs> these are the people who cut John the Baptist's mm-hmm. head off. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. Yeah, and so no matter who we are, we be yeah. Bible people. And be really mean. <laughs> and, <we laughs> you know? can, and, and and not
1: see Jesus recognize him when he's right in front of us. That's
2: yeah. right. That's Listen right.
0: to how they tried to insult him. Verse 14, when they came, they said to him, and they're being sarcastic, but, in word. Yeah. Teacher, we know you are truthful and don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality, but teach the way of God truthfully. Hmm. Then they go on to ask a question, but I just underline that, I was like, goals. Like, that's what I want to be. Like, I know they're being sarcastic, but... You know, and it's, of course, it says in verse 15, but knowing their hypocrisy, (laughs) you know, like he sees their hearts. And so what you just said, I mean, Scott, and that's what we do with our religiosity, you know, that even it is why Jesus has to say to us, don't pray in public to be seen Mm -hmm. by other because that's not the point. Do you know, I <laughs> noticed point something
1: prayer. in that little section where we are right now about, yeah. you know, render to Caesar, what is Caesars? Again, this is me leaning on my study Bible, but I read and never knew this before that the taxes that they were expected to pay in that time to Rome, um, they were not percentile taxes. Every person was expected to pay the exact same amount. And I just thought that was really fascinating. Rich and poor alike, the tax was exactly the same flat fee. And they resented this tax like crazy, but it just felt interesting to kind of like hear Jesus address Roman taxes saying, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's Mm -hmm. and to God the things that are God's. And as I thought about that, while Caesar demanded an equal pay... (laughs) From each individual person, I just kind of wanted to like sit on like what is the equal thing that God sees each of us equally, and it is not rich and poor alike he cares for and he gives a portion yeah. to. And I thought that was just really interesting that it was not percentile-based or not based on what you... It's interesting can, on a lot of levels. ...or cannot do. I mean, <laughs> like also, like, that's not fair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. setup yeah.
0: for the widow's gift, which we get in this same chapter... That's right. ...that, yeah. you know, where Jesus says, because here comes the rich who are just putting in large sums into the temporal treasury, and then a widow came and gave two tiny coins worth very little, the scripture says, mm-hmm. and Jesus says to his disciples in verse 43 truly i tell you this poor widow has put more money into the treasury than all the others mm-hmm. for they gave they all gave out of their surplus but she out of her poverty has put mm-hmm. in everything she had and this all she had to live on so that act of trust of like doing what i think a lot of us would say well that's irresponsible don't yeah. give all you have to live on like give yeah. a percentage right, <laughs> right, right yeah like let's be reasonable mm-hmm. here but Just the the faith. It's interesting that those, you know, these these are the same stories are all
1: kind of alongside each Mm -hmm.
2: other. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered about that widow. In light of that point, that she gave all she had to live on had. Is there something going on there where she's actually lost the will to live, and she's giving her last bit of treasure yeah. to the Lord to surrender in in a similar way that Christ did on the cross into your hands I commit my spirit like I've yeah. always wondered I know that's conjecture and you, you don't want to read in, but yeah. I've always wondered what's the story
1: what happened next behind
2: that yeah. because it's not you know quote unquote fiscally responsible right? yeah right, <laughs> but I think to the point you know as you're talking about the tax and how you know, rich and poor alike are paying the same amount. And I think we rightly say that's not fair, right? That's not right. But Jesus and Yahweh talk about proportion. Generosity is measured in proportion, not amount. Yeah. If I'm a multimillionaire and I give a $1,000 away versus a teenager, you know... Who, summer job. <laughs> on her summer job or babysitting his or her, you know, you know, hard-earned minimum wage, you know, money... And they give a hundred dollars, that hundred is much more sizable in mm-hmm. the eyes of God than the thousand that the multimillionaire, you know, gives. Because proportion is a reflection of our heart, right? It's a reflection of where our trust is. It's a reflection of really holding on to money. And I, I think this is why Jesus said you can't love money and God at the same time. Because if you love money, you actually also love power. Because money represents Power. Mm -hmm. It represents the ability to control things, Mm -hmm. uh, or at least to live under the illusion that we're in control of things. Letting it go is to let go of power and release it somewhere else Mm -hmm. where maybe it'll even be used against us, you know? And that's the pattern of the cross that that Jesus is now taking his disciples on. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You know, that journey.
0: And it makes those in power, and particularly religious you know powerful roles in religious systems they're so infuriating to them just the upside down kingdom that we see Jesus bringing forth and we have in chapter 14 when mary lazarus and martha's sister mary anoints jesus with the expensive jar of perfume do we they're know it's her like, i saw it just I at mean, a woman i think it's relatively agreed that it's her right that it's the same from john
1: we turn to the past. Oh, the apparently, room. there
2: are two incidents, right? Okay. There's yeah. Luke 7, uh-huh. you know, the woman who lived a, a sinful life in that town, and then there's Mary. Okay. And Mary is made clear, but not in Mark, mm-hmm. she's made clear in another gospel, and we assume that this is the same incident, uh, because everything else stacks up. And these are separate incidents
1: from the woman who washes Jesus' feet with her hair. That's That's correct. Who barges into the Pharisee party unannounced. That's right.
2: It
0: is confusing, because this does say... So this is where she's anointing his head Mm -hmm. with the jar of perfume. But they're indignant, it says. Oh, yeah. You know, why has this been wasted? Mm. It could have been sold and this money given to the poor. Mm -hmm. And it's just all about, you know, coming right after the widow's Mm might, And so it's just God's economy, as we like to say. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really even more than that. It's just the things of God, like her, you know, that Mary's heart is after Jesus right there, like that act. Yeah, all of this is so interesting and just how mad everybody is all the time at <laughs> everything he does mm-hmm. or anything that is done to him, mm-hmm. you know, any kind of honor or worship. In this case, this is an act of worship.
1: Yeah, I noticed right after that is where we get that preparation for Passover and there are these mm-hmm. verse 12 and 14 says on the first day of unleavened bread. When they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples asked him, "Where do you want us to go and prepare the Passover, so you may eat it?" And yeah. I just read that and thought, he is the Passover lamb. And I think I just like read that and wondered, like, what thoughts went through his head? Yeah,
0: I mean, they're on two different planes here. Like, yeah. he's he knows cosmically what's and happening. and they have this
1: like. There's a very important thing that needs to happen right there's now. There's a meal coming, but up. their Where very do you important thing is this Passover <laughs> right. feast, and well, he's just going. And valid question, because
0: the story that we just talked about, about the anointing, when he was back in verse 3, just right above where you read, yeah, while he was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining <laughs> at the table, and this is when Mary comes and anoints him with oil. This is his last day before <laughs> he's arrested. Yeah, and he's hanging out with si- Which Would we assume that Simon the leper, even though we're calling him Simon the leper here, do we think that surely Jesus has healed him?
2: We don't know. We don't know. I mean, he's still called Simon the leper. But I mean, we uh, still call him. When Mary never, has talked yeah. about, she's referred to as a woman who had had a demon. Uh, okay. Uh, who knows? But you know, the, I think the remarkable thing is when somebody dies, they forget about everybody that's of no consequence in their life. And they surround themselves with the people who matter most, who, mm-hmm. who they love the most and who loves them the most. And I think it's just... Completely remarkable, mm-hmm. right? That he's in the home of a leper and a woman, which right. In those days, if you're a rabbi, that's kind of a fresh way of being a rabbi is yeah. is to surround yourself with women. It's a good way to put it, um, <laughs> and, and and a and a good one and a beautiful one, right? Uh, and the way it was intended from the beginning that somehow got corrupted by the system, mm-hmm. and then he starts talking about you know leave her alone. She's anointing my body in advance for burial, so he's talking about his death, but. The other person he's surrounding himself with, I'm always just amazed by this one too, includes Judas.
1: Yep. Right
2: there. And Jesus could have arranged, just for his own emotional safety, let's say. <laughs> boundaries, Jesus. Uh, boundaries, right? Because, <laughs> you know, there are two people in the room who know who's going to betray him, and it's mm-hmm. Jesus and Judas. Mm-hmm. And Judas is there yeah. as well. And later on in the garden, when the betrayal happens, what does he say to Judas? He says, friend, friend, friend. Do what you came here to do. So even oh, when we to... even when we are digging in as his enemies, you know, he gestures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of the place in Ezekiel where it says, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Like even yeah. even the most reprobate, far gone, yeah. anti God, you know, truth and beauty hating, mm-hmm. vile human mm-hmm. being, there's an affection. In the heart of God. Sadly, for Judas, not a saving affection, Mm -hmm. but an affection that is remarkable that he would call the man friend as he commits the greatest act of cosmic treason in the history of the universe. Mm -hmm.
1: And yeah.
2: But Judas was there, you guys. Judas was there. So was Peter, who also betrayed him, lest we forget.
1: Lest we forget. Oh, Peter. While we're, I
0: actually wrote that in the margin at some Mm -hmm. point in this reading. Oh, Peter, Peter.
1: Which could also be written, oh, Rachel. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: And then what you said, right? Like, here we go to the Passover I want to read it.
1: I think that it's going to help us, especially as we're setting our minds on the tone of Holy Week. I think it matters. And I think it will even add some context to what's happening. Scott, would you read Exodus 12 for us, 21 through 28?
2: Exodus 12. There it is. 21 through 28. Yes. From the CSV translation, CS, CSB. or CSB, I'm sorry, CSB <laughs> translation, uh, Exodus 12, 21 to 28. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go, select an animal from the flock according to your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Take a cluster of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and brush the lintel and the tube doorposts with some of the blood in the basin." None of you may go out the door of his house until morning. When the Lord passes through to strike Egypt and sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, he will pass over the door and not let the destroyer enter your houses to strike you. Keep this command permanently as a statute for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you are to observe this ceremony. When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? You are to reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and he spared our homes. So the people knelt low and worshiped. Then the Israelites went and did this. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron.
1: And that is the institution of Mm -hmm. the Passover. Passover, that's right. And so that's what, you know, as we're talking about right now, where where the disciples are asking Jesus, where should we prepare the Passover meal? Because obviously that's the most important thing that we need to do this week. Mm -hmm. It is the framing for Mm -hmm. the new covenant. It is the framing for Jesus as the Passover Mm -hmm. lamb. Mm -hmm. The redemption story, it's a bloody story. I mean, we look at the Passover and like we're slaughtering animals and wiping, smearing blood on the outside of our houses, mm-hmm. um, but it's this foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do—the blood of yeah. the Lamb mm-hmm. saving us. But I even think back to the first several weeks of Lent, where we read the Book of Joshua, and we talked a lot about this—that that Joshua is this physical conquering and inheriting of mm-hmm. the Promised Land, mm-hmm. uh, of the physical Promised Land, mm-hmm. and how then too, it was a very bloody matter. There was a lot of blood shed. And so, again, as we talk about what tone to take as we walk through Holy Week, Mm -hmm. or as we, let's say, experience Holy Week, we remember now that this is the culmination of that. This is the spiritual conquering and then inheriting of Mm -hmm. the promised land. This is the defeating of death, and it too is a very bloody matter. It's serious, and it's something to be somber about. And I think that mm-hmm. you're right, Scott. That often I want to think about what's going to be on my Easter table. Mm. You know,
2: which is part which of the, is part of the be paradox. Right. It's, it it's is part of the contrast between the darkness and the light. We've the even point is even to in Holy Week, we are to an lean Easter into them both. Yeah, to lean into them both. We don't want to embrace the darkness, but we have to. That's he- right. Own it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then embrace the light. Yeah. Yeah. Which saves us from the darkness.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good, because we're not right now waiting for Jesus to rise from the dead. He has. He has risen. Um, But right now we're observing that, and that that matters. Yeah. And so this Passover feast becomes the Lord's Supper.
2: That's right. As you notice, when he institutes the Lord's Supper, there's also a new definition of family. It's those who follow me. All the disciples are with him instead of at home. Uh, and you know there 's a picture there of oh, it, and, and he 's already talked they, to them if any of you leaves mother, father, brother, sister houses, et etc, and follows me you 'll receive greater reward in this life and in the life to come he 's not doing away with nuclear family, but he 's redefining the essence of family in the kingdom of God, yeah. which ironically makes us better family members
1: in the nuclear yeah, yeah it makes more yeah. loving
2: parents, it makes yeah. more respectful children, it makes more you know honoring spouses. To put Jesus in front of your marriage is actually to give you a better marriage. Mm
1: -hmm. To put your marriage in Mm -hmm. front of
2: Jesus is to give you (laughs) a harder, rougher, more troubled marriage, ironically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like Lewis said, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in, right?
0: Building community and bringing life. That's what our friends at Apartment Life are doing these days. They partner with local apartment communities and move into the neighborhood to tangibly love people the way Jesus does. They're looking for coordinators to join their program right now. Do you think this might be for you? If you love people, have a heart for being with neighbors when life gets hard or exciting, and love planning a good party, this life-giving program is for you. Apartment Life will equip you and walk alongside you every step of the way, even down to providing a reduced rent apartment if you opt to live on-site in one of their communities. They also have an off-site version of the program that looks similar. It can truly be a life-changing experience for neighbors and coordinators alike. And just for you, our She Reads Truth listeners, they're giving you 10% off in their Apartment Life swag shop. Head over to apartmentlife.org slash truth to apply and to receive your discount. Be sure to ask for more information about how you can be a part of this unique ministry. That's apartmentlife.org slash truth. Okay, back to the show. I would love for us to read from Mark 14, just 22 through 26. But I really would—I know we just asked you to read, but it feels like these are— Yeah, these are words I would like Pastor to read to me. But this is, you know, the institution of the Lord's Supper. And then there's something really interesting Mm -hmm. there in the transition to the Mm -hmm. Mount of Olives. Scott, would you read one more time for us?
2: Yes, from the CSB. As they were eating, he took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, "This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many." Truly, I tell you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Sing then Peter's him. denial was predicted. And then we <laughs> get, Peter's yeah. denial. Then we get yeah, the,
0: which of the, the, the he
1: singing hymn and traveling to the Mount of Olives. Uh huh. Mm. We kind of know possibly what hymn because there's a rhythm uh-huh. to Passover week. I have it pulled up. Oh, you do.
0: I do. Yes. Lord, we Lord, I lift, your name, Bible Lord, Lord, I lift S- your name on high. That's or something exactly like that. what <laughs> it is.
1: <No>. It's. <laughs> um, that song? Yes. So I know the motions to that song. <laughs> I used to. We'll yeah. have to
0: recover those after this yeah. episode and see if mm-hmm, we can remember.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, go ahead. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we think that the singing of the hymn would be from the Passover liturgy, and there's like the hymn that you would hmm. sing at the close of the meal. Okay. Which according to my trusty study Bible, study Bibles, you guys, will link to ours in the, mm-hmm. in the show. Note.
1: Also, uh, we'll link to the Logos that we use probably that, oh to find yes. that as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Logos, man. It's, it's we pronounce it fan. differently, but
1: both pronunciations are correct. <laughs> it is, but you
0: could do it either way as yeah. long as you keep the vowel sound, sound the same. So Logos so or
1: Logos. Those
0: are your choices. Correct.
1: Good side That's note. what I've been told.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so... It would be Psalms 115 through 118. And I just, we're not going to read all that. Or or sing it. Or sing it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I want to just call out a couple of verses. So this would be right before, you know, they're walking to the Mount of Olives. That's right. And in just a little bit, we're going to have Jesus praying in the garden. And so imagine him singing this with his disciples some, you know, one of whom would betray him, one who would deny him, yeah, the rest, Judah who are they're all, gonna they're all going to run away.
1: Judas sing along?
0: Great question. They're all going to run away. But so in Psalm 116, here are two of the verses from that psalm. This is three and four. The ropes of death were wrapped around me and the torments of Sheol overcame me. I encountered trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. And then it keeps going. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is compassionate. And this is where we get our key verse from Psalms, Rachel. Mm. And from the book of Psalms, the Lord guards the inexperienced. I was helpless and he mm. saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. This is potentially what Jesus what is, is singing. Jesus yeah. On his way and then to you get also in interesting to me, anyway, in Psalm 118, verse 22 is. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Hmm. And to imagine again the different levels on which they're experiencing this—right—that the disciples are, you know, they've known these songs Mm -hmm. in their culture and you know singing those, but for Jesus to sing them and understand
1: them, Mm -hmm. and having just just instituted the first Lord's Supper, like having Mm -hmm. instituted that—that we now still practice today, Mm -hmm. but that was the very first one, and Jesus understands, only Jesus Mm -hmm. understands how significant that is, and my goodness, heavy Mm -hmm. with significance,
0: Yeah,
2: My God, my God, why have you forsaken me, is Jesus singing a psalm (sighs) on -hmm. the cross, Mm -hmm. Psalm 22.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is.
1: I don't think I knew that. I don't know if Mm
0: -hmm. I've connected that either.
1: If we ever think that we just need the New Testament... Mm -hmm just study Jesus' life. Mm -hmm. We talked about this in week one of Reading Mark, that, you know, I was on my rabbit trail of Mm -hmm. what are the first words from Jesus' mouth in each of the four Gospels, and two of the four, Luke and Matthew, Mm -hmm. he says it is written. Those are the first words from his mouth. Mm -hmm. So He's he's saying what matters, Mm -hmm. it matters that what is written in the Old Testament. It's hard because we know we need to keep going right now. We do. (laughs) But it's hard to keep going because it gets harder, like this reading does, this... It all does. Yeah, I
0: mean, and Peter, I have voiced many times my love for Peter just because I...
2: Oh, Peter. Oh, Peter. <laughs> and
0: in that when, you know, Peter's denial predicted and he's mm. like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Even if everyone mm. falls away, I will not. Mm. Um, and that, that even sentence... if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And then he
1: couldn't even stay awake.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know that sentence from you.
1: verse twenty-seven. Jesus says, "All of you will fall away." Yeah, I think that's so 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 important. I think mm-hmm. it's just—I mean, mm-hmm. I underlined it because, like, that's actually a sentence that we say to our kids a lot. Like, "Hey, you're gonna mess up." Like, it's not like, "All right, now straighten up and fly right." Mm-hmm. Like, get it right from here. Like, so often we tell our ten-year-old and our fourteen-year-old, mm-hmm. "You failed, but you're not a failure, and you're gonna fail again." Like, this is all of you will fall away. Yeah, but what matters is. Is so much bigger than you getting it right,
2: right? That's right. And Peter would and continue, would. yeah, Galatians chapter two, uh, where Paul has to oppose him to his face, right, yeah. for withdrawing from some of the people that mm-hmm. Jesus loved,
0: yeah. And they're not just going to so. fall away, they're going to run away, mm-hmm. like they're gonna, you know, they desert Jesus. It's right here in this chapter. So Judas kisses him and betray, you know, that's the sign mm-hmm. that this is the one that they're after. Um, which I can't imagine at this point, how would they not know? But anyway, they took hold of him, arrested him. Verse 47, one of those who stood by drew his sword, Hmm. struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus said to Hmm. them, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I was among you teaching Hmm. in the temple, and you didn't arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled.
1: This is interesting to me because what we know about the book of Mark is that, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, but this is Peter telling stories and Mark writing them down.
2: Yes. More or less. Mark was a protege of Peter who was not an eyewitness to all these things, but Peter was.
1: Right. And so help me understand, because I'm pretty sure that's Peter, right? Like in other gospel accounts, it's Peter that does that. So it's interesting that they're like, and one who stood nearby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean.
0: Sorry. Please, listen. One more thing. Hebrews 5, another thing that I had not it just—I've read it, and it just hadn't—
1: Hebrews is something special. I didn't special. hear it. Yeah. I didn't
0: hear it. Um, verse 7, so this is 5-7. During his earthly life, Jesus' earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So he was heard. Mm-hmm but he wasn't saved from death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know like Mark 14:49 that we just read the scriptures must be fulfilled. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. you know Jesus came to give his life. Yeah. Not to be murdered, he came to give his life. Yeah. And so it was that He cried out to the one who was able to save him from death and he was heard. But maybe that means he was heard and then he was risen. Like, I'm not, I don't know. But it struck me that time as like, you know, we've talked often on this podcast about asking the only one who can do the thing that you need (laughs) But yeah. sometimes he doesn't do the thing mm-hmm. in the earthly terms that we want it done, right? right? Like yeah. a healing or a saving about last from week with death. Lisa. Yeah. yeah. Just... So I don't know, Scott, if I'm misreading Hebrews, mm-hmm. but um, tell me if I am. Correct us. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't think there's any correcting. God is able. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. Um, yeah. Uh, he just wasn't willing. Because to be willing would have also been willing to let
1: that all would perish
2: everyone perish, yeah, and no one but Jesus be saved and, yeah. and the other reason why he wasn't willing was that he has to be true to his own word and Father, That's Son, right. and Holy Spirit make this covenant before the creation of the world that mm-hmm. this is what's gonna happen, mm-hmm. that he's going to give his life as a ransom mm-hmm. for many, you know he did cry yeah with this cup. Pass, let it be nevertheless, not my will, mm-hmm. but yours be done. And pray, not my ability, but yours be done, but not my right. will, but yours be done. And so, it, that's just the whole mystery of things because their shared will going into this yep. <laughs> would be that yeah. he would die, mm-hmm. and yet he's wrestling with his own will, you know, demonstrating the humanity of Christ, yes, right? He's wrestling with his own will. Not contradicting his own will. Jesus yes. never never got remotely close to committing a sin or to going back on a promise or a covenant or anything else, but he took on the fullness of humanity yeah. without sin and without the ability to sin mm-hmm. because he's also God. So there's just so much mystery. Yeah. And then it says in the next verse, he was the son, although he was the son, uh-huh. although he, which is a statement of his deity, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Again, him just submitting. This is Christ submitting to us. This is him submitting to our condition. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. take it on himself. Uh It's just... This it's, is not a waving
0: of, of a magic wand. Like, this is not a fairy tale. This is an actual human submitting to actual death. And it wasn't just a, well, but he was God. And so, you know, wave the wand, then he was dead, then he rose. Like... You know, talking about the reality, you know, not just celebrating Sunday already on Friday, but understanding the reality of Friday, Mm -hmm. that I think is the way that, like if I think about young Amanda in her Easter dress and hat and gloves, which I also Did had. you also have ruffle socks, like big ruffles um, around your ankles? Not just on Easter, but most days. Oh, I yes. love, oh you grew <laughs> yeah. up in the South. I did grow up in the so South. Before
2: they had sparkles? Yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. so you did. just
0: had to make it
1: up in ruffles and lace. It was
0: just a delight. Mm. A peach, I'm thinking it right now of my peach Easter dress with white lace and a white hat. I think that I thought of it that way. Like I understood yeah. maybe as much as a young Amanda could. Mm-hmm. But it felt very like, you know, Disney fairy tale mm-hmm. in a, in a way. And so it's just all of these details that we find in scripture, all of these acknowledgments of Jesus suffering mm-hmm. and humanity and loud cries and asking yeah. the only one who can do the thing for the thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, these little details that I noticed this time reading Mm in 14, verse 65. Yeah, 14, verse 65. It said, you know, it gave this thing, and then it said, the temple servants also took him and slapped him. Like, these, like, little details where you're like, is that really necessary?
2: Yeah. sucker punches, guys? Really? Right. (laughs) Like, the temple
1: servants? Yeah. So, I mean, just from the top to the bottom, it just Mm -hmm. feels... I think that, you know, we talk about our perception of Good Friday's kids Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, it was like, but he's God. And so he knew how it was going to turn out. And Mm -hmm. so just like, hold your breath and go underwater. Like, it's only going to hurt for a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, like that was my mindset as a kid. And I think Mm -hmm. that I didn't understand the gravity of the battle that was at play Mm -hmm. and the shame and the not just like, yes, the physical pain. Mm -hmm. But there was just so much at play to the point of saying like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
0: Right. It was lengthy. It was lengthy. Like I made a similar note, but a whole chapter later Mm -hmm. in chapter 15, Verse 31, in the same way, the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him. He's on the cross at this point, about to die, Mm -hmm. uh, mocking them among themselves and saying, he saved others, but he can't save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross Mm -hmm. so that we may see and believe. You know, they're just Mm -hmm. mocking. I just respond in the margins, you know, because it's in the safety of my own book where no one else (laughs) just Mm -hmm. said. wow, grown men, like grown men behaving Mm -hmm. this way. It's someone's agonizing death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... The enduring, that word enduring, like that's truly
1: what's happening here. Would y'all be okay if we read the crucifixion together? I know that sure. it's it's very heavy. It's interesting to read Mark's account of it because he's Mark. And so like even his account mm-hmm. of the crucifixion almost acts like bullet points, but in a way that's just like this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And it's important that you know. And we know that uh-huh. this account is written to the Romans, mm-hmm. um, which also feels like something to pay attention to as we mm-hmm. read this.
0: I totally agree. I think his efficiency of words in the case of the story of the crucifixion, to me it's like it augments the like matter-of-factness of mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. in a way. It's different. Yeah.
1: yeah. What it's, do you want to read, Ray? Well, I mean, I'm looking at chapter 15, maybe starting in verse 20. It says, you know, they led him out to crucify him. And then I, I notice here, sweet Simon of Cyrene, he's coming in for the Passover. And little does he know what he's Mm -hmm. actually coming in for. It says, They forced a man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus' cross. He was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. And then here are the bullet points that he offers beginning in verse 22. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. They tried to give him wine with mixed myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his clothes, casting lots for them to decide what each would get. Now it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge written against him was the king of the Jews. They crucified two criminals with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, Ha! The one who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself by coming down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him among themselves, saying, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him taunted him. It's hard to read. It's tough to read. And even in the bullet points, I think it's just, it's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Amanda, will you pick up from here at 33? 33.
0: When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lema, Sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When some of those standing by heard this, they said, See, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, fixed it on a stick, offered him a drink and said, Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion, who was standing opposite him, saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee these women followed him and took care of him. Many other women had come up with him to Jerusalem.
1: I read this, and I flash back several hours to this morning when I talked to this man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I talked to him in the shower when I was in the shower this mm-hmm. morning, and I was just praying, like Jesus, we're going to talk about your death today on the podcast. Not how to do that. Yeah, but I got to talk to him because of his death.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow! Because the curtain was mm-hmm. torn mm-hmm. from top mm-hmm. to bottom mm-hmm. the moment he breathed his last. Mm-hmm. And then we get Joseph of Arimathea. In that story, there are some details there that, again, you know, you just... Like, I'd never... And maybe it's the CSB. Sometimes the CSB will use wording that'll just make my ears yeah. Yeah. yeah, or make me turn my head a little yeah. bit yeah. to the side like a dog. Um, You know, and you're just like, what did I just hear? The use of the word corpse. I don't know if that's like... Mm translation specific hmm. but Joseph of Arimathea a prominent member of the Sanhedrin this is Mark 15:43 mm-hmm. who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God so
1: and what, that to be there, said of me
0: please a member of the Sanhedrin who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God hmm. came and boldly went to Pilate and asked for Jesus body so you know we've been reading about the Sanhedrin just put him to
1: death yeah so yeah
0: so
2: tell much us, there.
1: Tell us about Joseph. Is Joseph a – For those of you who can't see Scott right now, we're well, losing just, him.
2: No, you're not no, losing no, me at not. all. I'm just kind of like He's you just, were this morning yep. in your conversation That's with right. the guy who made it possible for us to have conversation with him. Yep. I'm just sort of sitting here in wonder trying to collect thoughts because yeah. what we just heard before this was – I mean just look at the key characters – That God sees fit to bring forth all the disciples, they're fleeing, you know, they've had their time and they're going to have their time again in the resurrection here just in a few minutes. But, and now Jesus makes sure to put the exclamation point on things this way. Yeah, that's right. Not just a woman, many women. That's right. Mm -hmm. Including Mary Magdalene, who had been demon possessed in a Mm -hmm. public spectacle as a result of Mm -hmm. that, no doubt. In comes a centurion who's participating in his crucifixion, yes, essentially converted at the Holy Spirit's invitation, if we read Ephesians two straight up for what it says, and now we've got Joseph of Arimathea, and we know from the other Gospels that he didn't come alone. He came with a man named Nicodemus, also a member of
1: I know him of mm-hmm. the
2: Sanhedrin, yeah who came to Jesus earlier on in the middle of the night, uh, presumably afraid to be seen.
1: That's right, yeah. Uh, Afraid to have his dignity. The first ears to hear John 3.16.
2: The first ears ever to hear John 3.16 are Nicodemus. And it's these two wealthy men. Lest we think that, you know, Jesus, even though he gives special attention to the poor, he only gives attention to the poor. It's just breathtaking here at the end how room is made for everybody who comes to him in weakness and in humility and acknowledgement of need. Mm -hmm. The way that Joseph of Arimathea acknowledges his need Mm -hmm. is by giving up power (laughs) and donating an expensive piece of real estate Mm -hmm. for this man who did not have a home, Mm -hmm. whom he's now presumably esteeming as his king, to have a proper burial a proper king's burial. Yeah, There's so much going on here. It's and And Mary, in verse
1: 47, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were watching where he was laid. Scott, I even think about what you're saying, like, the extent, the effort to which details are added so that we know what it meant that Jesus came for everyone. The very fact Mm -hmm. that the book of Mark exists, written to... Gentiles written to the Romans who were the ones who, you know, killed him. That book was written not just so that they could know what they did, you know, that book was written so, mm-hmm. as an invitation. So.
2: Dictated by Peter, who had to have a special vision of literally pigs on a blanket, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, to come to the point In where he could accept okay the that. fact that the kingdom of God was for Gentiles as mm-hmm. well. That's right. These are all people that Peter had previously. Been either suspicious of or detested. Yeah. As a blue collar worker, you know Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus would have been the man, right? Stick it to him. But here they're brothers. Yeah. The women would not have even been given the time of day because of their gender. Mary Magdalene would have been, you know, put in the camp of the unclean. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even qualify for the outer courts of the temple. There's so much going Everything on. Everything changes. So yeah. much going on here. Mm-hmm. So.
0: That intentional use of the language that just to affirm that, no, Jesus actually died, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. because, of course, when he is no longer dead <laughs> later, there are lots of theories mm-hmm. about like, well, well, then you know, mm-hmm. what, what really Maybe happened Maybe he was just here. asleep, whatever yeah. it was. And yeah. here it is when he found out from the centurion. So Pilate gives, it says he gave the corpse to Joseph. Joseph bought some linen Mm -hmm. Took him down, took Jesus down, and wrapped him in linen, laid him in a tomb, cut out of rock, and rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were watching where he was laid. And we also, of course, we won't read it. Please do go read it in this reading day. Have that paired with Colossians 1. Well, Lamentations, read that. Um, And then Colossians 1, which normally we would read 15 through 20, but listen to 21 and 22. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him, if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. And then...
1: We've waited a very long <sighs> time. <later. Wow. laughs>
0: earthquake moment, as Joe Saxton would say. Yeah. So many earthquake mm. moments. Right. Mm. And
1: here we are, resurrection morning. And I want to read it. I don't want to summarize it. I just want to read it. Scott, will you read? I think
0: it's worth going a few minutes long for Yeah, sure.
1: Mark 16, starting in verse 1. Yeah.
2: When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week... They went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, my favorite verse in the Bible. (laughs) He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. They went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid.
1: This is the word of the Lord.
2: (laughs) Thanks be to God. Thanks
1: be to God. Do you believe this is true? Yes. I, I do. do. We
0: started this Lent season mm-hmm. watching the Lord commission Joshua to lead his people finally, you know, to cross the Jordan and go mm-hmm. into and take Jericho and begin to possess the promised land. And and then and they here we are. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And here um, we are with an inheritance of our own mm-hmm. that cannot be corrupted. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Friends, I don't know how else to end this, but to just invite you into the readings of this week, the scripture. I want you to experience it and read it and be that woman in the Word of God every day that so many of you have said you want to be this week as we read the Holy Week scriptures together. I want to thank you for listening, and I want you to come back next week because while it feels like this culmination of the story, it's important now to come out of that and say, okay, what next? And, and next week, we're going to get to open the books of First and Second Thessalonians together, and it's just going to be a beautiful way to step out of the gospel story and kind of ask, how then shall we live? Yeah, and talk more about what
0: the resurrection of Jesus means yeah. for us yeah. in our Christian life. All right. Um, Which, you know, spoiler alert, it means everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So come back next week. And Scott, thank you for coming. And until next week, what do we tell our friends?
2: Keep opening your Bibles.